0: He played Khan, His rating
1: was out
2: Thanks to everyone who supports the podcast, their shares and reviews and Apple love. If you want to get more involved in all we do at U.S. Chess to empower girls and women through chess, please consider a tax deductible donation of any size to our U.S. Chess Women program and reach out to me with any questions. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Ladies' Night. I'm Jennifer Shahadi, and today I have two special guests. This is a really important interview for me as one of the highlights of the U.S. chess women programming during the pandemic has been my work with them. We have the founders of the Lighthouse Chess Club in Mombasa, Kenya, Judith Karagu. She is the founder and manager of the club. She's also an entrepreneur and the founder of Forte Management. And we have Dr. Philip Washe, who is the co-founder of the Lighthouse Chess Club and a chess champion. He is also a doctor and he's actually in holiday now. So I'm able to get a chance to talk to him as well. It's very exciting to have you both on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much, Jennifer. Thank you for having us.
2: It's super exciting. Tell me a little bit about... The birth of the Lighthouse Chess Club, because I know you are celebrating your anniversary, right? And this is an exciting time. Can you tell me about how you came up with this idea?
1: It was actually a sort of an accident, as most of these things happen. I was previously chairman of uh, running the Mombasa Chess Club, and I had a kind of a falling out after... The 2017 Mombasa Open uh, chess tournament with some of the members of the club. So I decided to go and set up uh, my own club. We had actually worked with Judy in that um, the Mombasa Open. We even invited uh, Grandmaster Vishyanand and uh, he was kind enough to grace our uh, this tournament. And from that time, we decided we're going to help build up chess in Kenya. And Judy had so many ideas because she's from a management background. And for me, I was thinking about chess, but she was thinking of it, you know, how to improve it, how to make it much uh, more sustainable. And we decided on the name Lighthouse because we wanted to be like a port of call for chess matters in Kenya. Uh, People who want to learn chess, who want to improve their chess, who want to buy chess equipment and so on would have this lighthouse. Judy can add some more from that.
2: Yeah, I'd love to hear more about the Mombasa Open, Judy. Is that the one where you um also connected with David Yara and Vishyanan came? Is that the same tournament?
0: Yes, yes, that's the same tournament. Um so also Chess Kenya Federation reached out to us to organize the zone 4.4 chess tournament and using my project management background we combined the the zone 4.4 and the Mombasa Open and we thought that um, since most of the tournaments in Kenya were literally uh, really small the prize fund was very small I think the highest was a hundred dollars so we decided to come up with a fund of four hundred thousand how much is that in dollars four thousand dollars doc
1: right yes
0: yeah, so we we raised, we bumped the price fund to $4,000 and it was so amazing. I mean, we managed to uh, reach out and we got Lada for the first time. He accepted to come out of Kenya and Vishwanathan, well, he also accepted to come. And so it was a whole uh, series of uh, activities that I had to juggle to to make the event uh, successful, and uh, luckily enough, we did. We had a very successful uh, uh, event, and uh, since then, now chess in Kenya became very invigorated. Very, very uh, suddenly, the club saw a lot of potential. We had a lot more tournaments. We let we had a lot more activities that are chess related, and uh, yeah, we're really, really proud. And so immediately after the uh, the Mombasa Open and the Zone Four Point Four. Uh, we decided to open our own club. We wanted to do things in a different way, in a more professional manner,
2: and so we decided. Then it's better that we uh, set up the Let Us Chess Club. That's amazing that you also um, had Anand in your uh, chess club. What was th- what was that like? That was in the Mombasa Open 2017. Did he? Um, he must have really enjoyed seeing Kenya, right?
1: Actually, it was very awe inspiring to see Anand in the flesh because you see, for me, I've been playing chess almost all my life. I've had an interest in chess, and only since I came to Mombasa in 2004, I started to seriously try and study chess and uh, read about the great chess masters from before and even currently. And Anand was one of the inspirational. people that I would uh, see from his games, from videos that he'd done, from his books. And it was so awe-inspiring for me to meet him finally in the flesh. And he was such an inspiration, not only to me, but I think to many of the Kenyans. Because since that time, I can say from 2017, it was kind of a turning point uh, for chess in Kenya. Because number one, uh, a lot of people, especially juniors, Started really challenging the senior chess players. We came up with a lot of juniors coming up from that time. Ladies also, apart from us starting their own, uh, the all, only all ladies club, we had other teams also including more ladies into their clubs. And one thing he told us that don't wait for a grandmaster to come and train you uh, to become better. Start with just what you have. Make as many tournaments, play as much chess as you can. That's from there you now go to the next step. So it was a very great experience.
2: Sounds amazing. And you mentioned um, that you moved to Mombasa in two thousand four. Where were you before that?
1: I was born in Nairobi, and then uh, I went to high school in Nairobi, and then I went to university in Eldoret. Eldoret is the west in the west of Kenya then when I finished my med school, I went to back to Nairobi to do my internship. I worked for a private health maintenance organization in, uh, in Nairobi. And then they transferred me to Mombasa in 2004. From then, I've been in Mombasa until 2013. That's when I moved to Qatar.
2: And now you come back to Kenya um, on holidays.
1: Yes. And now because of the crisis last year, it's taken about one and a half years since I was here. Wow. Yeah, you, normally I would come every two or three months, but since March last year, uh, we were not able to travel because health workers were needed in the hospital. So, okay, we could, if it was an emergency, we'd be able to travel. But then, I mean, there was just a lot of work to do.
2: So I'm so glad that you're able to reconnect now. So you're able to see um, Yvonne and and Judith. And And how did you two meet, by the way?
0: I went to his clinic and I met him there. <laughs> the rest is history. Um, I, I think you, you do realize, uh, Jennifer, that um, I do not actively play chess. I do have a basic knowledge of chess. I do the administrative and managerial functions of uh, running chess. And my, the missing part is now Philip. Philip and my daughter are the ones who are actively involved in uh, playing chess. So uh, that's us, the three of us sometimes just look at them playing and I see how
2: best I could transfer what some of the ideas that they we are talking about. That's amazing. Yes, I did. I did gather that. I mean, I, I mentioned in the introduction that Judith and I have worked closely during this um, pandemic period. And in fact, it's many thanks to um, Grandmaster Pontus Carlson, um, who I'm going to ask about as well. But he um, reached out to me and told me about all the good work that you were doing and suggested that The three of us joined forces to um, host some cross-cultural programs between Kenyan chess girls and American chess girls. And we have been meeting, um, you know, multiple times a month ever since. This was the summer of 2020. So we're coming up on a year. And um, yeah, it's been fantastic. You know, we've had so many great guests, Grandmaster Pia Kramling, Sabrina um, Chavans and Judith You guys are chess parents. This is the first time we've alluded to that, as your daughter Yvonne is, of course, a regular in these sessions, and she's very talented and passionate about the game. And How much does her involvement in chess kind of affect the the work that you guys do?
0: Um, I think I've made it part and parcel of my my everyday activity. It's in as much as I'm a project manager uh, running the chess club, is one of my portfolios, so it's my day-to-day life, as well as my other activities. So as I go about whatever it is that I'm doing, I also make sure that I am looking after the, the club as a project. So it becomes part and parcel of what I do every day.
2: Right, because you manage all sorts of different companies as your work.
1: And for me, actually, the biggest challenge is watching her play. You know, sometimes we would uh, say we'd work on an opening for several days before a tournament. And like last two weeks, we've been discussing the Italian opening. And not just Jyvonne, but also the other, the other kids that we're working with in Lighthouse. I do this for free because it also helps me to study these openings. So we work on this, we work on this. And then yesterday, she had a matchup with, with another girl. And she plays C4. And then I ask her, what what, (laughs) what is this? Where did you learn the English? Who taught you this and when? You know, sometimes it can be frustrating. To be fair, she did play quite the opening moves quite well, but she got into a very complicated position that became too much for her. For me as a chess parent. that's the most frustrating thing sometimes. And I'm sure with other sports as well, if you're a baseball parent or football parent, you see your child playing a different move than what you practice. It uh, can be kind of uh, scary. You're worried that uh, they're doing the wrong thing. But then sometimes they, they surprise you.
2: I think everybody has their own pace, you know, in their own direction. And I think uh, my son's four, so I'm starting to teach him chess as well. <laughs> so I, I, I'm sure I'll start to understand your point of view more and more as the years go by. Uh, but, okay, so you have um, Yvonne and... I know that you guys have been very active in Kenya and not only with your chess club, but also throughout the entire country in working to promote girls and women in chess. So how did that come about? Did it fill a need in the Kenyan chess world or just the world in general? Tell us about how you got that idea.
0: We wanted to be, to have that impact. When we set up the club, we wanted to, to do things differently and we knew that there was a gap that had to be filled in Kenya. And so we started doing the uh, the tournaments around the, around the country. And uh, there was a need, there was a hunger for a lot more chess activities. And we kind of like gave the other clubs a nudge, a soft nudge to start being more, more and more active. And then suddenly we saw all this mushrooming of uh, of clubs, uh, you know, because uh, now suddenly there was there's an interest. I remember in one of the tournaments, I think in 2017, when we were in Eldoret, uh, somebody came up to me and told me, you know what, I'll know that Lighthouse Test Club is going to be in existence if it lasts two years. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. Four years down the road, we are still, you know, strong. We are now running programs. We are working with partners like uh, U.S. Uh, chess Women and Business Meets Chess and, chess and Kids. And, um, you know, there's also uh, another somebody else in South Africa. So we are getting more and more stronger. We kind of like spurred that hunger and uh, we suddenly saw a flurry of chess activities. And we are really, really proud to see that we were part of a very vibrant chess uh,
2: environment in Kenya. And what are some of the unique challenges that girls and women face if they want to be chess players in Kenya?
1: Before 2017, women, you'd find the Chess Federation in Kenya used to hold the leagues. And the leagues would be the clubs playing against each other in the in the Kenyan league. And most of the clubs almost always having 100% boys or men. And in 2017, or just around that that time, the government in Kenya actually started a rule. There's a two-thirds rule. So whatever organization or company, board of directors, for them to be representative of uh, the gender representative, they should have not more than two-thirds of uh, one gender. So based on that, I got an idea. And at the same time, I got this idea. One of the ladies from one of the clubs approached me and told me, uh, listen, we've, I've been a member of this club for the past five years. I have never played in the league because whenever they put the ranking for the league, the ladies are usually put at the bottom. So they will never get an opportunity to play. So I told her, okay, so why don't you get a few ladies who are like-minded, who are, they don't have to be very good chess players, but at least if they know the rules and they can play, we'll set up a club. And we started the Lighthouse Chess Club with women. So it was an all-girls club. And in fact, one of the girls, one of the girls was someone who had never learned chess before, but she learned chess from that one year. And the next, in the next league, the next league match, she was actually beating one of the uh, national uh, best lady players in the, in the country. The thing is, What I realized is that girls in Kenya, in in chess specifically, have not been given the opportunity to play. This is one of the main reasons we started Lighthouse Chess Club. And since then, a lot of clubs have actually introduced uh, girls in their club and they've given them, because before now, when the government introduced this, they were putting them on the fifth board. So the girl can play, but then she'll always play on the fifth board. So we had a club where all the members were girls. And... One of the officials asked us, uh, listen, is it legal for you to have an all-girls club, really?
0: <laughs> the beauty of this was that um, the girls could now play board one, which was deemed to be the strongest board, and they could play the strongest male male players. And as a result of that, the girls became stronger and stronger. We got them a coach And that was one of the attractions, uh, you know, because we had the girls, we made it uh, mandatory that they had to uh, attend training uh, to work towards becoming better at what they're doing because since now they were playing board one to five and board five was seen as the weaker board. So we needed to make sure that we build their capacity so that they're able to match the other other
2: teams which have strong players on board, one, two, three, four. That's amazing. I mean, I, I didn't know about this law in Kenya. Wow. So it you know, forced chess clubs to add women, but it, it it kind of just gave them the idea that it was it was necessary. It was inspiring. That's amazing how that can make such a quick effect. Now, I have heard um, that you sometimes have issues when you want to enter a girl or a woman into an open section. You had a mentioned that Yvonne tried to play in the uh, the open section of a recent Kenya Junior Championship and there was some there was some resistance. Tell us about that. Yes, uh, the
0: just recent, I think three weeks ago, we had the Kenya National Youth Chess Championship. And basically the open section is what everybody's calling the boys section. And then we have the girls section. So Yvonne uh, decided to play in the open section under 12. hmm and there was an upro because uh, they were saying that uh, why why am I allowing uh, Yvonne to play in the boys section and not in the girls section? And maybe she could actually win and make it in, into the national team because what uh, chess the, the the federation does is that it picks the best the the top player to form the national team. I responded back by saying that uh, I'm sure we all have different objectives. We're still trying to build. Yvonne's capacity, and she wants to fight her fear or her. She wants to feel that she's able to play with boys and beat them on the board. And she got five out of seven, and she felt really, really good. She was fifteen out of eighty-something uh, boys, so she did she did quite well, and it made her feel really good. As opposed to now, had she played with only girls, then she would uh, still have felt that. The boys—they are untouchable. You've got to stay away from the boys. You've got to you got to play in the girls' section. So basically, we want her to think out of the box, to push her boundaries, and push herself, so that she's able to become stronger and become a stronger chess player. And that is what we are trying to encourage. Also, all the girls that we have in the club, that they can literally play anywhere that they feel
2: confident uh, to play. That's beautiful. I'm so happy to hear she did so well. That's fantastic. You got. You should send me some of those games. We got to tell that story to the uh, girls' club. I I think that in an ideal world, I know logistically it's not always possible, but I think it's great if these open events are held separately from the girls' events, so that girl who's talented wants to play in both, so she can play in the open and and the girls. It's not always possible, but we we often do that in the United States. Like we have the national championships and they're usually held at different times in the girls national championship uh, so that some girls can travel to both and win against the uh, the boys and then also you know make friends with the girls which is to me often the function of these girls events that's great um what about other resistance that girls and women get in chess in kenya
1: there is actually one experiment that i tried traditionally prices for the open and prices for the girls section have always been different and different like I'm sure you've also noticed it even in international events you'll have the total price for the open is maybe ten thousand dollars and the total price for the ladies event is three thousand dollars or something like that so I tried an experiment where I put the same prize fund both the open and for the ladies section and again of course there was a lot of resistance from the boys because they said hey listen you have only two girls for every 10 boys who are playing chess how can you give them the same prize fund and i said but listen maybe there are not so many girls because the prize fund is less because you see like most of these tournaments are held in nairobi which is in the center of the country and it means somebody has to spend some money actually get to the tournament and travel time and so on, and maybe even take a day off work, right, a Friday or Monday for traveling. So I think it would be fair to compensate the girls the same way that we're compensating the boys to be able to get enough money for transport. That's what we did. And that in itself also, I think, helped to increase the number of girls who are playing good chess because now they actually came to play to win. Before, they used to just come to play. But now they knew if they win, they would get a substantial prize.
2: I think that's a great, great way to look at it. I hope that the uh, Americans uh, and people from all over the world listen to this episode because I completely agree with you that it's a lot about playing chess is, you know, a wonderful thing. And it's a lot about logistics, being able to travel, you know, take time off. Families sometimes take time off and all of that costs money. And if we want it to be more equal, not only just gender wise, but to, you know, families who don't have as many resources and that, that you do is very important. And uh, I wanted to just uh, talk a little bit about our girls clubs with the, uh, the U S girls and the Kenya girls. And by the way, it's now expanding to some other African countries because you know, Judy and Pontas, you guys have so many great connections with the uh, organizers. So many girls from uh, Botswana, Tanzania, Zambia are all joining as well. What was one of your most memorable incidents or guests or moments from these girls events that we've been having for almost a year online?
0: I think, Jennifer, you and uh, GM Pontas have done a great job in uh, bringing guests uh, grandmasters, train the girls. And the girls really look forward to to the sessions, and the fact that you yourself is a woman grandmaster that already inspires them to the point that we find that now the the boys are actually grumbling and asking us because the, now they've realised that uh, Lights of Chess Club is the club that initiates innovative ideas. They're like when are you going to start a program that's going to also include us uh, boys and men, you know? But I think uh, because are, the, the girls do get to talk about some of the sessions. And uh, uh, I think over the period of time, it's nearly nearly eight months now since October, we've had several grandmasters. We've had several guest uh, guest trainers and uh, we've seen the numbers keeping on growing. So already there's a buzz and everybody's already you know, kind of like making sure that they're going to be available to attend that, that session, even though it's gonna be late at a very late hour for us. I wouldn't say any specific guest, but I think just the fact that they're being trained by high level chess players uh, is
2: already uh, such a boost for these girls. I'll give you one example of a highlight for me. When we had a confidence building workshop, with the girls from the United States and Kenya. Um, That was very, very memorable. Um, The girls were talking about how to build their confidence. And we even had Lucy Wanjiru, who I believe is the current Kenyan women's chess champion, right? She, um, at some point, showed off her her lyrical skills and started rapping in the session. And then I went to her YouTube channel. I couldn't stop listening to her songs. That was amazing to me. Just, I love seeing people who are so multi-talented in chess. But,
0: you know, Lucy has a very special message. out. uh, She's actually sending out a message to the chess community here in Kenya through her music because she feels a great resistance against her as a woman chess player in Kenya. And one of the things, just before she left for Malawi, she told me that, listen, Judy, I'm looked at as a deviant because I have she has her hair different to, you know, the expected norm. She has dreadlocks, so the federation does not feel that dreadlocks are acceptable. And so, but she's exceptionally good on the on the board. Even if the guys had dreadlocks, the, they will still play chess. But the girls are not allowed to have dreadlocks. So you know that kind of discrimination. I mean, they still. It's not. It's not just about the price fund, but. So many things that are, there's no equitable approach to ladies' chests or girls' chess to the boys' and men's chests. And that's something that we're really trying to to ensure that it's even.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry to hear that because she's so talented. I mean, there are, there are some court cases in the United States actually related to the exact same thing, you know, protecting people and whatever hairstyle they might want to wear to work as, you know, sometimes employers try to get them to, like, cut their dreadlocks so that's actually been in the american news a lot as well but how did that resolve because i understand that with your help she was able to um go on that trip to malawi with the national team in the end anyway
0: yes she did yeah she did and i, I i've been uh, following her and seeing pictures and she does have her dreadlocks and uh, at the same time we also have another player he's a male also upcoming player he has dreadlocks And he does braids, he also braids his hair. So why isn't the Federation raising any issues about the male who is braiding his dreadlocks? But they have an issue with Lucy's dreadlocks. Lucy normally vents out and uh, speaks out against the discrimination that she feels is actually there on the board and on the person, on the chess player, on the lady chess player, through her songs. And uh, it's just unfortunate that she sings, she raps in Kiswahili, and so it might not be uh, understandable to everybody, but we are able to tell exactly what it is that she's saying. Some of the rap songs are in English, and she gets really aggressive through her songs. But uh, basically, she's just trying to release her pent-up emotions so that uh, she can feel better.
2: Yeah, and to make the world more, more just. It sounds like she's got a mission.
0: I think she's very bold. I want to applaud her because she has found her voice through her rap music. A lot of the other ladies and girls don't actually voice out some of their issues that are brought up against them because either for fear of intimidation. So uh, they keep it quiet and so you know it boils inside them. But Lucy brings it out through her songs. So Lucy has learned to find her voice and to speak out against some of the injustices through her song, unlike other girls
2: who have to suffer in silence. Which reminds me of another event that we did that I loved so much. I think this was a very early event where we had a a wonderful uh, coach and chess player who um, helped lead a session on teaching the American girls Swahili through the chess pieces. That was beautiful.
0: That's amazing. I mean, it's a cultural thing, and we share little tidbits—our national, you know, treasures and meals and languages. I think that really kind of like bonds us together. That's so exciting. I saw that the American girls really wanted to learn what's happening in our countries, and we wanted to know what's happening in their countries. I see that the American girls and also the Kenyan girls and their other girls actually look forward to those sessions. I tasked the the team
2: leaders to come up with what they would like to share with the, with all the girls. You mentioned earlier, I think uh, Philip and you both mentioned how your daughter earned like these life skills by playing in the open section and, you know, overcoming any kind of fear she had that she wouldn't do well. And I think that the life skills that the American girls and all of the girls from Kenya as well get from an event where it's not only about chess, but also about learning about, you know, whether it's Swahili or American geography, it's something that is just more more direct because you're talking to people who live in those places. I think that's an, a marvelous ability of chess. Absolutely. Yes,
1: it is. And one of the things that chess has done actually for Yvonne is, is that it's opened up for her to be able to see the world as reachable. In Kenya, and I think generally in most African countries, traveling out of the country has is always a dream. It's always something that people see like it's almost inachievable. But then when we get people from outside the country coming to Kenya, and they tell us about their lives, and we find that their lives are not so different from ours in, in many ways, only that they probably have a different culture. Yvonne has made some friends from Spain, like David Lada's daughter, I don't know if you've, uh, you've seen in uh, David Lada's book, The Thinkers, Yvonne and we are among the pictures in there. So it's made her to be more curious about the world. The reason I brought in Judy in 2017 to help with the Mombasa Open, because she's more of a better manager than I am. And she came in and she saw what uh, we had a prize fund of about $1,000, I think. And she says, what? I've been holding poker tournaments with private prize funds of $50,000. Why should this one be a problem? And she really pulled it off and it, it was very successful. I told her, I hope one day that you're able to speak to or to meet with uh, Jennifer Shahedi because she's a brilliant chess player, but she's also a brilliant poker player. You two will probably have a lot more to talk about.
2: Oh my God. That's amazing. I didn't know that you guys knew who I was four or five years ago. But yes. <laughs> Actually, you know, it's funny that you mentioned poker because of course it's, of course it's controversial to teach children poker, but there's also a lot of really important skills that people can learn from poker that you don't get from chess. Chess teaches like great skills with like focus and concentration and decision-making, but at least in the United States, like, We don't have a lot of basic financial skills that are taught. You know, in school, we learn about algebra and geometry. But what about like, you know, risk analysis, all probability? We we don't learn that as much as we could. You know, a game like poker really teaches that very directly.
1: Does it help your chess?
2: Mm, A little bit. I think it helps your chess in that poker players are very pragmatic. You know, it's really like very ruthless. You know, chess is very artistic. So sometimes players get wrapped up in the art of chess, you know, like about winning beautifully, and and poker is just about getting it done. And I think that sometimes a chess player needs that. So what's next for the Lighthouse Chess Club, and specifically all the girls and women's events that you're doing? We
0: are going to be starting the uh, leagues very soon. Well, Chess Kenya will be hosting the the league online. We'll be having a group of young girls playing together as a team. We'll try and make sure that we we have the young girls and the older girls. And then we are also starting to scout and uh, build capacity uh, for chess players in Kenya. And so we are in the process of coming up with a framework and the proposal, who we are going to work with. And we already have one of the largest uh, media houses that wants to work with us. We are currently holding discussions with them to see how we are going to make sure that we grow chess in Kenya and that we also scout for talented players
2: and make sure that they actually get the right training that they deserve. How much of a challenge it is to reach children who don't always have access to the basics, like schooling or basic medical and nutritional needs?
1: Okay, that is usually a challenge. And in fact, uh, when we did start the Lighthouse Queens, we had an issue where they're really passionate about chess. But they don't have the transport to and fro from the training venue would be about $1. But that $1 is what they would need to have for their lunch. So we have to support them in that way. For these teams that we are setting up, actually, Judy and I take out from our pockets to pay the league uh, registration. For each of the teams and I think we're the only team we with the only club which has more than one team in the league previously and now we're going to have even more more teams in the league one of the things that we would really like is to at least have an international master in Kenya up to now Kenya has never had an international master so the next step will be a GM after that the second big picture that we want to have is just also improves uh, children's uh, confidence and even their education And we want to use this to introduce chess in schools in Kenya. Chess is still a club sport and only in the affluent schools. In the government schools, most of them have never even heard of chess. But hopefully, if we continue having tournaments and being more exposed and getting more kids involved, and especially the girls, then we will achieve uh, those two aims.
2: Yeah, I think you will.
0: One of the things that I do because I'm closer to the girls down on the ground at the ground is that I know some of the really, really girls who need support. We have something that is going on. We'll either put in our personal resources and support the kids and the girls to participate. For example, internet. So we actually share some money for them to buy the internet. And uh, we also have some kids from the children's homes. We try to make sure that they're treated the same and they are... They feel that they are equal to the other players who have something. In fact, before we, we went into uh, seclusion because of uh, Corona, uh, we used to have, uh, anytime we used to meet together and would share would share everything that we had to eat together so that uh, we didn't have one kid coming coming in with a whole bag or a whole sack of chips, you know, potato chips and uh, soft drinks and all that. We We made it a rule that whatever it is that you bring, You're going to share because some of the kids are actually from the children's home so that they don't feel that they are needy. When the kids went out there and they won, they came back and they were like, coach, I won, coach, I won. I mean, the celebration was all of us. Nobody felt left out. We shared whatever it was, whether it is our finances, as well as our successes, as well as our losses. We shared them together. We, We did it together as a family in one of the recent tournaments that we had i remember asking some of the parents who were able to pay to maybe support some of the kids so that they actually pay the registration fee so that the kids can actually participate in the in the tournament because it is important for them to feel that hey we are still
2: we're still one family i think that's beautiful and i really like what you said about how you had the kids share the food but it wasn't like you're giving food to one specific kid. So they didn't feel singled out. It's just a, the the culture. I think that's really beautiful. That's a really a great way to do it. You know, chess.com has been generous in giving the um, the girls from our program in, in Kenya and also now um, some other countries are joining, Malawi, Tanzania, diamond accounts so that they can practice. But of course, with the uh, internet connections, not always the same for everyone. We're looking into also getting them some books so that everyone has that ability to train who's part of our, our network. Yeah, I think that that's going to be
0: amazing. It makes them feel special. Like, for example, when you sent the chessboards, that was amazing. When U.S. chess women sent us the chess boards and they were so beautiful. It was amazing. And I think majority of the kids don't actually use the chessboards. They actually frame them because they're so beautiful. I mean, they're, they're such... They're iconic. But now that we have other countries on board, of course, we've got to get the team leaders to buy into the idea. We've got to share our initial purpose for when we started the collaboration between uh, U.S. Chess Women and Business Meets Chess and Kids with uh, Botswana, Malawi, Zambia, Namibia, Tanzania, Uganda, so that uh, they also, it trickles down
2: and uh, benefits the girls in their countries. Absolutely. And by the way, business meets kids meets chess, that's the Grandmaster Pontus Carlson's work is done through that organization. He's been absolutely wonderful in coaching and also coming up with ideas and introducing us in the first place. You know, it was so hard to send those things to Kenya. And it's like, it just occurred to me that because they go through customs, they need to make sure that you're sending what you said you were sending. It's like without you, without people like you, Judith, it's just so difficult to do that kind of transferring. It's absolutely essential to have people like you um, working in the chess world, especially emerging chess country like Kenya. You just somehow need to clone yourself because <laughs> I'm sure you are very busy.
0: Yeah, I actually made it a point to make sure that the was went to all the corners of Kenya. You've got so many girls who are spread out. So it is important that I also... Take the initiative to spread out those boards. Some are from Kitale, some are from Nairobi, some are from Mombasa, And the books also, I mean, same idea, the same concept should be applied because it is an online program and uh, being online, it's a virtual meeting point. So online makes us all from different towns and locations. So, of course, it calls upon team leader or the coordinator to ensure that some of the uh, physical, the tangible material that is donated actually reaches out to the participants.
2: Any final words, Philip? I'm so glad that you were able to meet us during your trip to to Kenya. How long are you in Kenya for before you go back to Qatar?
1: Uh, Just a few more days.
2: And what do you miss the most when you're not in Kenya? I mean, besides your family.
1: Oh, the food. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know... In uh, in Kenya, a lot of the food is plant-based. And so in Qatar, they prefer bread and meat because that's their culture. Basically, Arabic and uh, Indian food is meat and, uh, and bread-based. I really miss the food when I come here.
2: What dish do you miss the most? <laughs> uh,
1: chapati and fried beans.
2: Zapati? Chapati Zapati is
1: uh, it's
2: a form of Yeah, with man. some
1: kales, you know. There are these greens, they're not spinach. We call them skumawiki. This is what I really miss. So when I come here, I don't want to have any more chicken or beef or meat or anything. I just want the vegetables, which I've not been getting when I'm back in Qatar. But I wanted to make a request, Jen. One way that you can continue to assist uh, the Kenyan chess girls, and even basically the Kenyan chess team, is if there are any very strong chess players whom you can get to Give Even if it's a 10-minute session on a class or a training, it would be very helpful. Uh, now we can do it online. Most kids now have learned how to use uh, Zoom because of online classes.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. We've been getting some good people, but we can continue. When they meet the girls, they're always so happy because they're just wonderful. And they're getting so much better. I think those diamond accounts are really helping. The chess tactics are getting better. Yeah,
0: I yes. think what, what Philip is saying is that we meet, twice a month, but the girls here are ready to meet uh, maybe five days in a week. Maybe if we can have the American girls come to Kenya, then the Kenyan girls come to America and we actually play together, you know, and and then have, you know, like a camp. That's something that they've been floating softly. I've been listening to them and they're like, I hope we get to travel. So that's one of the things that they keep on asking. And we are like, well, let's see, let's see
2: how it goes. I would love that.
1: If it's not too much to ask, when you get a chance to go and plan your next holiday, you should make Kenya among your itinerary for you and your family. It would really inspire the girls just to see you, just to be in your presence.
2: I would love that. Absolutely. When we're allowed to travel again, I mean, you know, there's so many restrictions now. Maybe in 2022, there will be a lot fewer restrictions. I would love it. Yes. I mean, my son and all the uh, animals. If we get a chance to go to uh, a safari, he would, he would be so happy. Oh, my God.
1: Don't worry about that. You just tell us you're coming and we'll organize for you everything.
2: Yeah, we need to coordinate it so that you're around as well, you know. I would love to meet
1: you. Hopefully next year will be a better year, so we'll be able to travel a lot more.
2: So thank you guys so much to Judith Karagu and to Dr. Philip Mwasheh. Uh, for all that you do um for Kenya Chess, for all you do for Kenya Chess Girls, it's really just uh, such a privilege to uh, work with you guys. I've learned so much. And, you know, big thanks, of course, to Grandmaster Pontus Carlson from Business Meets Kids Meets Chess yet again, and as well to Chess.com for supplying with us all those wonderful diamond accounts. If we want to keep up to date on the work that you guys do at the Lighthouse Chess Club and beyond, what's the best way to do that due to... We do it on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and our website. Wonderful. And we'll put the links to those in the show notes. Be sure to keep up to date with the Lighthouse Chess Club. They're doing some really innovative things and broadcasts, and you can figure out how to to join in and and support them. So thank you guys so much for joining me. This was such a wonderful conversation. I learned a lot of new things. Thank you for creating the
0: time to just organize the special guests who are coming into the sessions. It's amazing. It's not easy. And thank you to GM uh, Pontus also for, you know, for having this idea and for reaching out to us. Really, We
1: really appreciate it. Thank you very much. It's really a great honor to meet you. If
2: you like what we're doing at US Chess to encourage women and girls to explore STEM fields, accentuate competence, and approach an even ratio with a focus on intersectionality, your donation to our US Chess Women programs is always appreciated and tax deductible. The US Chess suite of podcasts, including Ladies Night, are produced and edited by Jason Andre at Seven Season Films Photography and Media. Please visit sevenseasonfilms.com to find out how to start your own podcast. Don't forget to listen and subscribe to all US chess podcasts from one move at a time, cover stories, and the chess underground. Till next time, may every night be ladies night.
1: Now according to sockfish, I got it all wrong. Have to slide
0: up a blink you
2: tell me